So we just want to pray for Lara and we want to bless her. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for laid down hearts. We thank you, Father, for a laid down life, for a surrendered heart, Lord. We thank you for a yieldedness that allows you to work and to be released through us. So Father, we bless Lara for all that she has been before you, Lord, and we receive from her your word. Lord, release it and may it go and hit the target in our hearts, Lord, in receiving your heart for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, guys. You can hear me? Yeah? Okay. So, oh my gosh. Worship team, thank you. That was, all, as always, something. <laughs> um, so today I'm going to re be reading from Mark 9, 2 to 9. That's what we'll be covering. And uh, so we'll just start by reading through these verses. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. So that's the theme, the transfiguration of Jesus. And... Um, when Haney asked me to speak today, I said yes, without quite checking out what the verses <laughs> that we were going to cover. And, you know, I've always had a lot of questions about this passage. You know, we see it in Luke, we see it here, we, we see it in uh, Matthew, and um, I've always had a lot of questions. So we're going to read it, and we're just going to go through it together and see what the Lord speaks to us. The way that um, I'm really glad that I said yes without checking it out because um, the Lord revealed a few things with me that I'd like to share with you. So um, if you have your Bibles, if you can go to Mark uh, 2, sorry, Mark 9, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, yeah, chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and he led them up a high mountain. And in Luke it says, he, went them up, he took them up a high mountain in order to pray. And they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And in Luke he said, um, as he started to pray his face began to shine and his clothes transformed. So it was his face and his clothes and he just became dazzling white. <laughs> and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And, you know, in other parts it says he was talking to them about um, the things that were going to happen, um, his departure. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves. So, you know, as I, as I read this, I mean, a few things, right, come up. God shows up. He says, this is my son. I love him. 
And, um, and it all happens in a very supernatural way where, I mean, can you imagine, can you put yourself in their shoes? Of course they were frightened. Um, they were seeing Jesus completely transformed, different than they had ever seen him before. He'd done a lot of miracles at this point. Uh, when he said, you know, after six days, if you look back, you know, what happened before this? is he'd done a lot of miracles, except, you know, he healed and he'd multiplied food and he'd fed thousands. But the six days is um, he predicts his death. He reveals to them that he's going to die. And um, in uh, Mark 9, sorry, 8, 31, he says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. And... Um, and this is when um, Peter says, uh, no, you know, no, this isn't going to happen. And, of course, Jesus rebukes him. And then he follows, Jesus follows, and he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So this is... You know, he says this, and then six days later, he's revealing more of himself to them through this transfiguration. So, you know, if I put myself in their shoes, of course I would be scared. <laughs> um, and I would probably, and as I came away, I had a lot of questions. So, I've always wondered why, right? Like, why did Jesus choose to do this? Why now? Why them? Why did these disciples? Why Elijah and Moses? So I want to talk about some of these questions today. Um, but I also know that um, why is a closed question. You know, so if, you, if someone spills something and you ask them, why did you do that? It's a very closed accusatory kind of question. So I'm going to move away from the why questions, and um, I'm going to approach it the way that I usually do when I read the Bible, is I ask open questions like, and I start with, who are you, God? Lord, what do you want to speak to me about your character through these verses? So as I read this, I asked, you know, Lord, what are you trying to reveal yourself? And the first thing that came out is that God is powerful. He's mighty, and he commands. Oof, he commands our attention. When the manifest presence of God is felt, there is power, there is authority, and it's really hard to grasp, but it definitely gets your attention. Have we, you know, there's, there's two kinds of the presence of God. There's omnipresence. He's there everywhere all the time but the manifest presence is different is when he comes into the room and when he comes into the room you can feel him do we experience God that way yeah um, and sometimes with it comes I mean there's a lot of authority when he comes in the room you know I've heard messages I've been in services where he comes and sometimes there's fear and confusion, but there is definitely authority. So 
God carries, in his presence, there's authority. In Psalm 50, you don't have to turn there. It's just 51. It says, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. He spoke everything into existence. This is our God. This is who our God is. (laughs) Yes, God is love. God is um, gracious. God is kind. But he's not... Sometimes we dumb him down to this cuddly, God, give me, give me what I want. That's not who he is. He's one to be feared, to be trembled, you know? When you're before him, when, when his presence is there, we tremble before him. And I believe that's what part of it is that he's revealing um, to the disciples and to us. So his presence elicit fear, elicits fear. So the, the, even before he spoke, they were afraid. Um, and it's a different kind of fear. Okay? It's not a fear that he's going to zap me. Okay? So I'm not encouraging you to live in this kind of fear before God. But it's knowing who he is and coming to his throne knowing what he carries. And, and we'll, we'll open it up a little bit more. So when he speaks, he speaks with authority. In 9-7, he spoke to them in an audible voice. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him with an exclamation point, you know? It's not a, oh, yeah, he's, it's, he speaks with authority. He knows what he wants. He speaks audibly, visibly, clearly, We hear God from many different ways. We hear him through the word, by reading the word and asking him, Lord, what do you want to reveal to me? We hear him through his word. We could also hear him through our spirit. We could hear him audibly, you know? In, um, he has spoken audibly to people, um, to, you know, examples in the Bible, but we can hear him that way. So when he speaks, he speaks clearly. We just have to have an ear to, to hear him. He is light. He is fire. When he appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he was fire, right? And, of course, Moses was afraid. Um, when Elijah, in 2 Kings 11, he was taking, taken up to heaven, and he was taken up in a whirlwind with chariot of fire and horses. And... And Jesus and God chooses who to reveal himself to. So he chose these disciples. He chooses us today. If you're sitting here today, he has chosen you because he has lifted the veil. He chooses the people that he wants to choose. And here he, he it's the, the the word said Second uh, Corinthians four three. Uh, for the gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. And he chooses to reveal himself to whoever he desires. So if you are here, if you are listening to this, he's chosen you. Um, his presence transforms. And it's also reflective. Okay, so reflective meaning when he appears, 
when he God appeared, okay, when, when the manifest presence of God, this is what happened on this mountain. Jesus prayed, the presence of God came, and Jesus was completely transfigured. And um, his face changed, his um, clothes changed, and this isn't the first time. It wasn't just because it was Jesus. We see it with Moses. When Moses went on the Mount Sinai to get the two tablets, when he was before God, when he spent time with God, he came back and his face was transformed. And it says it was, um, his face was radiant. And Aaron and the Israelites were afraid to come near him. It was, it was so bright, his face, that he had to put a veil on his face after he spent time with God. And this isn't limited to even the Bible. Have you ever been with someone who spent a lot of time with God? And when you look at their face, their face is different. It's not limited, right? We have whatever is in the word of God is fully accessible to us today. And um, it's not limited to what happened in the Bible. So we can come before God and we can reflect him. And part of it is for us, but mostly it's for us to carry his presence to other people so other people can reap the benefits and the beauty of us spending time with the Lord. So these are the things that he spoke, okay, about who he is. So then I asked, okay, where is God? Where is God? Well, he's not bound. He's here. He's here. He's here and now. Like, it, he's not bound by time and space. And, but we, we sometimes hold him at a distance. Often we hold him at a distance. So when the Lord comes. I, I recently heard a message, and um, and and he was sharing about being um, the the speaker was sharing about being in a um, in a conference where he did not experience the manifest presence of God until uh, so they were worshiping for like an hour and a half, two hours, beautiful worship, but God's presence was not felt, and he went up and he basically told them. He noticed that they were coming and going. They weren't really worshiping. They were chit-chatting. They were fumbling through their purses. They were not pursuing God, like as the congregation. They weren't pursuing God. And when they started to pursue him, when they repented, when their hearts turned towards him and they were yearning for God, his presence came. So when Jesus went up to the mountain, God didn't just appear. Jesus was yearning for him. He prayed, and God's presence came. And that is available to us. It's up to us. We limit God. And we also limit God in our minds. Like, um, I wrote this verse down. I was going to talk about it laughter, but I'll talk about it now. Uh, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Where is that verse? I don't know. I wrote it down. Maybe I'll read it in my notes after. And it was maybe last summer, as I was chewing on this verse, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
I thought, I saw it differently. I always thought where, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning, um, like, repent, because God is coming, okay, to judge you. That's how I read it. Where last summer, I, I read it differently, and it, it just, it was like, it jumped off the page, and it was like, no, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. I've always imagined like we're really close physically to heaven it's just it's like a, f a few veils away and and we can i've always felt that even as a kid i always thought okay there there must be there must be like heaven and earth maybe they're just mis mishmashed and we just can't see it so when i read this verse i was reminded of that where i felt like god was saying the kingdom of god is here we just have to pull it into our reality. We have to bring it here. So healing is here. We just have to access it. And it's all in our belief system. It's, it's knowing who God is, whose we are, and w like what he, who he is. And, like he, and he revealed it. He didn't leave it a mystery. And this is where the love is, right? This is where our loving God is. He didn't leave it as a mystery. He actually sent his son, gave us a really clear example of what we can live like, who, you know, Jesus went every day before the Lord and he prayed. He didn't leave it a mystery. And he also showed, he parted the heavens and he showed what it could be like. And that... You know, um, I don't know about conversations with the dead. Okay, we'll leave that there. But we can definitely access the glory of God by coming before him and worshiping him and knowing who he is. And as a result, knowing who we are. We are priests. We are a priesthood because we belong to Jesus. Okay, so what does he want? That's another question. He wants us to listen to Jesus. So in, he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And I mean, everything Jesus said, but, you know, when, when he said it after six days, when this happened after six days and the verses before are, if anyone would come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is what my mind went to. This is, this is what he, I believe that God was pointing to. If you guys you know, have other thoughts, we could discuss it. <laughs> um, but anyone who wants me has to deny himself and follow me. And so it's, it's not just about believing it's also about taking action. So we can believe, right? I think Haney uh, preached on this. You can believe something, but until you put it into action, it's just a belief. You know, uh, the, the demons believed that Jesus was God, the Son of God, but they didn't follow it with action. So we need to play our part. We need to... Um, put down our life, yield to him, step out of the way, and let him have authority, take 
take the lead on our lives instead of us driving and then expecting him to follow us. It's a, it's a very different posture, which I won't get into too much today. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, and, and, and in, in Mar, uh, was it, no, in Matthew, I think? Hold on. It's, it puts it, it differently. In Mark 8, 34, sorry. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, so we have to want it, must deny himself, so we have to deny ourselves, and take up their cross and follow me. So there's action words, right? Want, deny, take up, and follow. So these are the things that we have to do. And, you know, it's not just about seeing, getting into heaven. It's about living this life. You know, when I walk that way, it's joyful. There's joy. There is it's fun. Life with God is fun. It's exciting. It's, it's not boring, you know? It's new every day. And it, you ha- we have the choice. We choose every day whether to live like that or to live the way that we want. And the way that we want, sometimes we don't want it, but it's filled with the opposite of everything that I just said. Worry, angst, um, I don't know. What else? Losing sleep. <laughs> a, a lot of fear. A lot of things that God doesn't desire for us. Um, okay, so that's what he wants. And then, and then I do have a why question. I said, why them? Right? Why? I've always wondered, because they were um, his close companions. Peter, James, and John were his close companions. So I said, why? Well, first he had to choose someone because God is relational. He thrives on relationship. Um, Did you know, okay, so you know I'm going to bring health into this. People with a strong social support network have a lower risk of developing cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. (laughs) People who live in community People who do life with other people are healthier. They live longer, and they um, they avoid the diseases. So we're created for community. Anyways, just thought I would throw that in. So we're created for community, and Jesus adopted that community here on earth, right? So he had his close companions, but they had a heart to part to play. So he chose them. They chose him back. And we have a choice to choose him back. So they left. It makes me emotional. They left everything. They were working. They were in the middle of their work. They were fishing. They were fishermen. And they left. Jesus went to them. He talked to them. He said, come with me. They dropped everything. And they left. And then I asked myself the question, do I do that? When Jesus calls me in the middle of the day and he interrupts my work and he says, call that person. Okay, Lord, okay, hold on, hold on. What do I do? Do I stop 
when my kids come and just, you know, sit beside me <laughs> while I'm trying to work, what do I do? Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, that, that he spoke to me. So they chose him back. They chose to listen to him. They chose to obey him. They were not perfect. They were flawed. Jesus chooses the flawed. So sometimes we think, oh, we're not enough. I don't know enough. I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to share my faith with someone. I don't know. Um, Jesus doesn't expect perfection. Everyone he chose were flawed. Peter, just before this, yeah, he recognized him as the son of God. And then, and then he rebuked Jesus, you know, two sentences later. And as they were on this mountain, he said, let me build you a house. Like, you know, he, he, he wasn't a perfect, none of them were perfect. But they said yes to God, and they said an immediate yes. And there's something about that immediate yes that God loves, and he shows up profoundly when we give him that immediate yes. So, okay, and then I said, why now? Like, why is he um, choosing now? Well, to encourage and strengthen them because he knew what was coming. So God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't let us, you know, waver. He, he doesn't like, um, he doesn't let us guess. He shows up and he really shows us the way. And this is what he did for the disciples. He knew the difficulties that were going to come. And he gave them this stake in the ground. You know who I am because you had that experience. So when everything came after, they still had this. And God gives us these things in our life too. And sometimes we don't recognize it. But it's like, it's really good to have these things, these experiences, kind of as uh, memorial stones in your life. Do you guys have memorial stones? Do you know what, that, what I mean by that? These experiences that God gave you alone and you place them as stones in your mind, as memories that you remind yourself of when things get difficult. It could be a promise. It could be a physical experience with God. It could be feeling his presence. It could be a word that he spoke to you. It could be a miracle that he worked in your life. And these are really important because difficulties are always here, but I believe they could be accelerated down the road. And we need these memorial stones to remind ourselves of who God is. And the word of God is a beautiful memorial stone because what he did, he will do again. Um, he taught them what can happen when you pray. He taught them intimacy with God. He taught them that there is a manifest presence of God that can transform. Um, he shared with them this reality and a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Ah, it's Matthew 3, 2, you guys. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, he showed them that there is life after death, just in case they doubted in their minds, because he showed them Moses and Elijah. And he showed them how close they are, how close heaven is. Because, and he showed them what's coming, what's coming, what our life is going to look like forever and ever. We're going to be like this before God, in his presence, experiencing him, and how reachable heaven is. 
Jesus prayed. He didn't do anything but pray. He, pr- he went up to the mountain, he prayed, and this happened. And that is accessible as much to us as it was to Jesus. So I just want you to reflect, okay? So I'm going to ask questions. So, so I started to ask myself questions, and I want you to ask yourself questions. What's your reality? What reality do you live in? What realm does your everyday live in? Does it align with Jesus's reality? Are, we, are you living out his command? Are you leaving everything? Are you following him? Are we living a sacrificial life? So I ask you, but I'm asking myself these things, okay? And these are good questions to talk to God with, to chew on, to reflect on. Because um, if we don't think about it, the world is very busy. And I think that's one of the, um, the way that the enemy uses the, us, really. It keeps us really busy. It keeps us chasing after things that are not important to God, that are trivial, that are temporary. doesn't mean we don't want them or need them or we should live this, you know, um, like John the Baptist, you know, in the wilderness with, you know, camouflage, whatever he wore. It doesn't mean we have to live like that, but it's having a different perspective on life and living with a different focus and with the focus of God um, as our primary source, focus on the kingdom of heaven and bringing glory to God. Our life could bring glory to God instead of glory to ourselves. So who's God to you? It's just, is he just a cuddly daddy? Yes, God is daddy. But he's also this awesome, ah, you know, wonderful God that we cannot grasp. My mind cannot grasp him. Is he a distant God? Does he zap you when you, he gets angry when you do wrong? Is that who God is to you? He's not, okay? He's not that God. Does he carry the rightful authority in your life? Do you live a life full of his authority? Or are you living in fear and trembling of wondering where your next step is, of where your whatever is? Are you living in the authority? Because all we have to do is step into it. We have to believe who he is. We have to understand who he is. And we have to step into his authority. It's quite simple. Sometimes not easy, but simple. Do you see the world and others through his eyes? Do you see things the way that he sees it, or are you relying on yourself? Are you filtering the world through your pain and your worries, or are you seeing it through him, through the way that he sees it? And do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him? Do you recognize his presence? Do you yearn for his presence? Are you seeking it? Are you spending time with him? Are you craving him? The fear of God isn't this trembling fear, right? Part of it is, but when he, after he speaks to you, there's this wanting more of it, wanting more of him, like craving him, 
where you don't want to do life without him. You don't want, not because it's easier, or sometimes it's more difficult, because saying yes to God sometimes is difficult, because, um, you know, our way sometimes is easier, right? Uh, his way is better, but his, our, sometimes our way is easier. But are you after him? Are you chasing him? Are you spending time with him? Are you hosting his presence daily? And it doesn't have to be, you know, hours on end of prayer and fasting. It could be very simple of partnering with him through your day, of starting your day with him, reminding yourself of the memorial stones of where you've been, where you're going, what he's spoken to you, his word, and trusting that he's going to guide you and seeking his counsel as you do your life, anything. Um, so that's my message. <laughs> um, and I just invite you into this place of real intimacy and trusting God. And it's fully accessible to each one of us. It doesn't have to be this difficult thing. God has given us this blueprint of how it can be done. And if anyone wants prayer um, after service, you can come to me, Ara, Salpi, whoever you feel led to pray with. If you want more, if you want prayer or blessing, whatever, feel free to come up and talk to us. And thank you.